This is episode number two, Aligned with Divine. Hey there, welcome to the Divine Natured Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Smith, and I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a certified life coach. On this podcast, I'll teach you a blend of gospel principles and coaching tools with the goal of helping you put off a natural man and create a vibrant, fulfilling life. You ready? Let's go. Hello, beautiful people. What is happening? You guys, I can't believe this. The amazing response I'm getting from the first episode of the Divine Nature podcast about loving the natural man. Everything from, we need this message, keep doing what you're doing, to, hey, you talk a little fast, slow down and let us hang on your words a little. I'm just so overwhelmed and thankful for all your support and the feedback I'm getting and that you love the podcast so far and that you're willing to just take the time to let me know what your thoughts are. I'm just so thankful. So thank you so much. So good. Um, today's topic comes as a suggestion, a suggestion from one of my podcast listeners about being aligned with the will of God and how exactly do we do that, which I'm really excited about because I think that we as Latter-day Saints can use the principle as a means of to distance ourselves from Heavenly Father and beat ourselves up and confuse ourselves or keep us stuck in indecision. And so I'm really thrilled that I get to cover this today. So where does this principle Um, come from. Um, It comes up as a kind of a follow-up commandment to following Jesus Christ. He declared, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And so if we are to follow him, then part of our following must include what Abinadi described as our will being swallowed up in the will of the Father. So um, there's a few concepts I want to cover concerning this, um, which are desire and sacrifice, and then Um, kind of a new concept I'm going to introduce you to, which is a bi-directional alignment. As I'm going over these different dimensions of what it means to be aligned with Heavenly Father's will, I want you to think about this in terms of yourself and how you've applied this principle to your life. The first dimension I want to cover is desire. So by desire, I mean a willingness to desire the same things that Heavenly Father wants. This is um, the first thing you're going to want to to explore because you have to decide if you, with the fullest sincerity, truly desire what Heavenly Father wants for you, for you to do, and for the rest of us. The reason you're going to want to take an inventory on your desires is because you can take all the action you want, whether it's keeping the commandments or ministering or fulfilling a calling or whatever it is you think that Heavenly Father wants you to do, but if your heart and desire isn't in it, Your alignment will either be short-lived or inauthentic at best, which kind of defeats the purpose of what the Lord is asking us to do when we are keeping commandments or doing whatever we think that he wants us to do. And that's because um, how we feel fuels our actions and how we feel comes from the way we think about something. So how we think and believe will directly determine if we feel the emotion of desire or something else entirely. And so let's say that you're offered a calling and you really don't want to do it. (laughs) And I'm sure that we've all experienced this, Um, but you accept it anyways. Now, um, what are your reasons for accepting it anyways? And what do they sound like? Do they sound like, well, I have to say yes, because the Lord impressed my leader to extend it to me. Or let's say, or is it something like, I'll say, I will say yes, because the Lord impressed my leader to ask me, and there must be a good reason for it that I can trust. Or some sort of flavor of like, I will go and do kind of the way that Nephi said it, or kind of like a Laman and Lemuel kind of thought where it's like, 
like, well, dad's having visions again. Might as well go do it and just, we're just going to go walk into the mouth of the lion named Noah and he's going to kill us, but whatever, we'll go do it anyway. You see what I'm saying? There's kind of like these two different flavors of accepting the call to go and do that, um, that we can kind of take on, right? And so notice how they, the ones that I originally um, showed to you, right? That they're pretty similar thoughts, but they elicit different emotions, right? So as you slow down, consider your reasons for accepting a calling or an assignment or whatever it might be and identify if you, f I want you to take time to identify if you feel light and energized and desirous by those reasons or if the reasons feel heavy and sluggish to you. And if you're believing and thinking in a way, kind of like the Laman and Lemuel kind of thinking that creates that kind of heaviness, then you've got some cleaning up to do. Because what will happen is if you accept the task and you're feeling and having all these kind of like heavy thoughts and feelings about it, you'll just kind of end up resenting and avoiding or otherwise feeling contempt for the task and for those asking you of it. And just really like, it's just going to really kind of like defeat the purpose. You're, if you're feeling that way, then your desire wasn't in it from the start. And you probably accepted the task or, or calling because you felt obligated to do it or because you were afraid of being judged or some other kind of fear-based thought or belief about that situation. And so you end up missing out on the purpose of the task or calling, which is ultimately to bring you closer to Heavenly Father and to give you opportunities to feel the Spirit and to serve others and to become more like Christ. And so... If you're believing and thinking in a way, but on the other hand, if you're believing more kind of like a Nephi go and do kind of belief where, where you kind of accept the task with a lightness and energy. And um, even if you don't want to do it, like I sincerely doubt that, you know, Heavenly Father went to Nephi and was like, Hey Nephi, I want you to build a boat. And Nephi was like, heck yes. I've always wanted to build a boat. We don't really get that. Um, I mean, he could have, that could have, that, that, that would have been really interesting, right? But I'm pretty sure that most of his experience was like, I have never done this before and I'm pretty overwhelmed by this, but if Heavenly Father wants me to do it, I'm going to do it and he'll make it possible for me. And so he kind of had like these kind of like energizing, like he's motivated to do it. He wanted to do it because Heavenly Father wanted him to do it. Um, kind of despite not necessarily like it wouldn't have been something that he had chosen otherwise. Does that make sense? And so um, there's a lot of things that we, that we do, even though we don't want to or don't feel like it anyways, right? So let's take um, changing diapers. I have yet to meet another person who just loves changing diapers for the sake of changing diapers. But of all the people I know who change diapers, it's because they love the person they're doing this act of service for. They have a desire to love for and care for this person. And that, that desire overcomes the lack of desire for the task itself. So if you're thinking of the task in a way that serves you so that you show up the way you want to and you're able to endure the task well, that's going to be far more aligned with the will of Heavenly Father um, than if you accept it out of fear-based thinking or like obligation or you're afraid of being judged or something like that. When it comes to a accepting a task that is inviting you to align with the will of Heavenly Father, your reasons for accepting the call stem from your wanting it to refine you and wanting to do your part as Heavenly Father's work in glory. You're wanting to consecrate your life for the Lord. Um, those are sort of the reasons behind accepting a call that's going to align your will to, to his. And that is when you know, when you have these sort of reasons for doing it, that's when you know your willingness to, 
to a desire is aligned with Heavenly Father's. Um, I When I was researching this topic, I found this awesome talk by Elder Neil A. Maxwell. And uh, it was called Swallowed Up by, Swallowed Up in the Will of the Father, kind of named after that um, that that uh, phrase that Abinadi uses in the Book of Mormon. And you can, like, everyone would benefit by reading the whole thing. There was so much gold in there. But I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit of the kind of gold nuggets that I got from the talk. And I'm just going to go ahead and share that with you because it was so good. So um, let me just dive in. So he teaches that um, actually everything depends initially and finally on our desires. These shape our thought patterns. Our desires thus precede our deeds and lie at the very cores of our souls, tilting us toward or away from God. God can educate our desires. Others seek to manipulate our desires, but it is we who form the desires, the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. He goes on to say, the end rule is according to our desires shall it be done to us. For I, the Lord, will judge all men according to their works, according to the desire of their hearts. One's individual will thus remains uniquely his. God will not override it nor overwhelm it. Hence, we'd better want the consequences of what we want. He continues um, saying, So many of us are kept from the eventual consecration because we mistakenly think that somehow, by letting our will be swallowed up in the will of God, we lose our individuality. What we are really worried about, of course, is not giving up self, but selfish things, like our roles, our time, our preeminence, and our possessions. No wonder we are instructed by the Savior to lose ourselves. He is only asking us to lose our old self in order to find the new self. It is not a question of losing one's identity, but of finding his true identity. Isn't that so good? That's that's the end of it. But um, I love that so much. It's so helpful that um, I think that that's just so helpful to kind of understand the desire in a whole different way that when we're giving up the will that our desire isn't like if our desire is like we're really kind of fed up or scared of giving up what we're used to having then our our will isn't going to be aligned with Heavenly Father's but if our will is aligned with his it's because we are desirous to become new creatures and aligning our will with um, his desire to uh, help us become who we want to be and what he believes that we can be. So ultimately, having our willingness to desire the same things that Heavenly Father wants doesn't does not mean ignoring that the things that we might not want to do or whatever we're being asked to do. It is the desire of wanting to do the will of God being greater than our lack of desire for the task that demonstrates where our hearts are aligned. Which leads me to the next dimension of alignment, which um, is sacrifice. So Christ declared that he has suffered the will of the Father in all things from the beginning. The implication of suffer meaning that submitting to God's will required sacrifice and suffering. The key example of this is being his crowning act of performing the atonement, in which he is recorded as saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. He, in that moment, did not want to continue suffering the most tremendous of all pains and anguishes that any child of God will ever experience. Even the Savior himself experienced this. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, right? Just to think about, like, he's literally the Son of God and he was just like, I really don't want to do this. Um, Heavenly Father can't do it. Is there an option? <laughs> but of course, like, I'll do it if this is the only way, but uh, do, is there a way out? <laughs> like, he's asked that, but he knew that it was God's will 
and he wanted to be aligned with his father's will so much more than he wanted to give up. And this is perhaps the most profound example of submitting to the will of the father because of not only who was submitting, but also what was at stake if he had not submitted to the will of the father. If Christ had given up when the pains of the atonement were too much to bear, the plan of happiness itself would have been frustrated, which would have doomed us all. And so his willingness to really forego and sacrifice his own comfort and and whatever he would have experienced instead of all the suffering that he experienced for us, um, he was able to allow for that in the name of continuing the plan of happiness to do the will of the Father and to do that for each of us, which if that isn't a testament of his love for us, I don't know what is. Um, he truly just allowed for his eternal perspective to influence his decision to choose continuing the atonement instead of giving into the ever so tempting thought of this is way too hard, <laughs> which I mean, have you, and I, I know that I have, I've given up when I've had the thought of this is way too hard. And I'm sure that most of us are guilty of that. Um, how often do we start along the path of submitting to the will of the father only to give up partway because of it was some flavor of painful or uncomfortable One of the areas I have a lot of need for improvement in is um, fasting, which is just hilarious to me. (laughs) It's because like like the the commandment to fast is really quite simple. And it's literally like we're just asked to literally give up, you know, two meals, not even three, only two meals once per month. And, you know, and I start it with the intention of going, you know, a full 24 hours without food or water. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. But man, around lunchtime when the rumblies start and my stomach feels as if it's contorting and trying to rip out of my body and it's like, feed me. And I become so weak. (laughs) Do any of you relate to this? Like, my goodness. The only thing I can think about is the first thing I'm going to inhale the second my fast is over. And a lot of the time, you know, 2 p.m., you know, I start the fast, you know, at dinner time, like six o'clock the day before, you know, 2 p.m. comes around on Sunday and I just decide that I'm going to have an early dinner. <laughs> Guys, the struggle is real. And the whole thing is that it's supposed to be real. It's supposed to be a struggle. So, you know, um, for those of you uh, who ever listened to last week's episode about loving the natural man, or you haven't listened to it yet, and you're just listening to this um, kind of one-off episode, um, I taught about how the natural man, um, from the way I understand it, is kind of like the part of the brain that wants to seek pleasure and avoid pain and be efficient. It's the lower, um, it's the lower primitive part of the brain that is motivated to keep us alive, and so it's motivated to, um, you know, carnal impulses and desires, and so it's going to basically like. It's going to basically try to lead us and guide us to whatever it thinks is going to help us survive. And then there's the higher brain and specifically the prefrontal cortex, the front part of the brain that's responsible for planning ahead and regulating our appetites and behaviors and making decisions for our best, um, for our best long-term interests. And so, you know, in this fasting example, you know, I literally have the natural man is, it's literally freaking out. My lower and midbrain are screaming at me. Whoa, what are you doing? Don't you know that if you don't eat that we're going to (laughs) die? Like it's literally like it really thinks that it's a matter of survival. And so the brain is literally releasing these chemicals, you know, like ghrelin into the body to signal to my consciousness. Hey, hello, let's eat. Our life is on the line here. 
And the midbrain where the reward center is um, located is like, it's getting really excited and it's offering solutions like, oh, you know, you know, there's that cake in the fridge, right? You remember that that's in there. And, uh, you, you know, that'd be a great way to solve for this hunger. Oh, you know what? You don't even have to cook. How about pizza delivery? That's a great idea. And the brain is literally just trying to solve for what it thinks is really a dire problem. And so um, it's not interested in keeping the commandment to fast or the commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy, much less following the will of the Father. It just wants what it thinks it needs to survive and it needs it right now. And then, you know, you have the higher brain and the higher brain that decided, you know, at six o'clock the day before tomorrow's fast Sunday, I'm going to skip these two meals because I want to obey and petition the Lord for X, Y, and Z. And like whatever you do as part of kind of like your fast preparation, you know, like you pray, you do this, your higher brain is kind of decided this is what you're going to do. And so the lower midbrain are freaking out and the higher brain has to tell them kind of like in a parenting kind of way, like calm down. We have plenty of fat reserves to hold us till dinner. Uh, we are doing this because this will help us become more like we need to be. Um, we're fasting for this purpose, yada, yada, you know, whatever it is that your higher brain is kind of like, this is why we're fasting. Um, it has to really consciously and intentionally notice it, um, that the urges are there and being offered by the lower and midbrain, but not answering these urges um, because of a higher want and a higher need that's going to help um, help us become who we want to be. And I'm pretty sure that there are plenty of you listening that have successfully fought this war between your higher brain and your lower and mid parts of your brain enough. Um, especially when it comes to fasting <laughs> to where the fight isn't so dramatic anymore. Um, whether it's, you know, for fasting or swearing or whatever commandment that would, that used to be kind of really hard for you to obey, but it's far easier now, um, because you're more practiced at it. Like you've experienced that kind of war from the higher brain and the lower brain before. And it's because you've practiced making this choice from the higher brain enough times to where your lower brain doesn't freak out as much. It's like, oh, wait, that's right. It's not an emergency. Your lower brain is literally trained to understand, oh, yeah, this is just what we do on the first Sunday of every month. Like, I'm still going to try to offer you a little bit of ghrelin here to get the to get things going. But like it learns to it, it eventually learns that it's not an emergency as much as it used to think. And so it just becomes that much easier for your higher brain to just kind of like say, you know what? Nope. It's okay. This is what we do. It's not a problem. This is not a problem to be solved. Like we're just fasting. It's not a big deal. And so you've literally rewired your brain to be to literally more divine natured. You've aligned your will with God's with God enough times that um, his will has become your own in that instance, which leads me to the final dimension, which um, is called, which I've called bi-directional alignment. Um, yeah. And I kind of, I totally kind of made this concept up, <laughs> um, kind of based off of, um, like, and I mean like made up in the sense that like, it's not something that's formally taught to us as members of the church, but bear with me because I think it's really important that we think about alignment, alignment with heavenly father, um, with heavenly father's will as not a one way street. I think that heavenly father can align his wills or his will with ours too. So stay with me because I know you're probably thinking, but wait, isn't the whole point of aligning our will to his to give up our own will? And I don't think that that is true a hundred percent of the time. And this is why. So the idea stems from the idea that, you know, that covenants are bi-directional or that they're like, we, we understand covenants to be a two-way promise. Um, when we covenant with heavenly father, he is bound when we do what he says. And when we do not what he says, we have no promise. 
Um, meaning, you know, like if we obey and we keep our promises to him, that he is going to obey, uh, keep his promises, which often looks like blessing us abundantly with, um, with anything more than what we've ever offered him. <laughs> so I think it's totally possible for us to align our will with his, and then there will be times when he, his will aligns with ours too. Um, so let's say, um, let's say, uh, let me kind of give you two examples here. So we have one example, um, that a lot of us are probably familiar with, which is like the, um, the loss of the 116 page manuscript. So, if, uh, and I'll just kind of recap the story a little bit. So, you know, back at the early founding days of the church, you know, Joseph Smith was translating the Book of Mormon and Martin Harris says, hey, you know, can I borrow the manuscript and take it over to my friend's house and um, show them what that's all about? And uh, Joseph Smith, you know, asks the Lord, he says, hey, you know, Martin really wants to show this with people. This could be really good. You know, he probably had a lot of reasons for like, hey, you know, this is probably a really good idea to, you know, share the gospel and this and that. And the Lord tells him no, like three times, I believe. And, and so Joseph, like, finally asks you to, like, the third time, and the Lord's like, you know what? Fine. Go for it. <laughs> and you know what? Like, heavily, like, he knew, the Lord knew that the pages were going to get stolen. And, and he, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny. So, like, he knows that the pages are going to be stolen, but he's like, you know what, Joseph? You've got your agency. I'm going to let you learn for yourself. And so... In this case, Joseph's will was his, Martin Harris's will was his, and they weren't aligned with the Lord's. And because they weren't aligned with the will of the Lord's, even though they kind of had good intentions for what they were going to do, it ended up turning out not that great. <laughs> but, you know, Heavenly Father Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, they had a way, they prepared a way, and it ended up being just fine in the, in the end. But that's just kind of a very classic, very concrete example of like, you know, you can be really good and have good intentions, but it might, might not be aligned with the will of the fathers. Right. Um, so like, like that's kind of like a time when like the Lord is literally just kind of like, no, we're not doing that. And you're kind of like making your own decision. That's what that looks like. Um, another example is like, so like, that's like not aligning your will with heavenly fathers. Um, but like, let's say that you may be left with a decision um, where you're looking at a few different options and say, and this is kind of like more of like, like a personal perspective here. Say you're looking to move or change jobs or whatever it might be. You're looking at your choices and it's so hard to choose because you're really concerned that you want to make the right decision. You weigh the pros and cons of the options. And they all come up pretty evenly. So how do you decide, right? Um, well, you may decide that you're going to pray and ask Heavenly Father for guidance on what you should pick. And there will be times when he provides a very distinct, clear answer of which you should choose. You know, like with, you know, the case of Joseph and Martin Harris, he told them a very clear no for that whole scenario. And you may have had that experience in the past where like he gave you a very clear answer, but you may, if your experience for the most part is anything like mine, sometimes you don't get a clear answer from him at all, or at least like not right away. And why is this? If we're promised answers, why don't we get a clear direction about which we should choose when it comes to A versus B, right? And when it comes to choosing choices of good versus good or good versus better or some flavor of like good and good, Heavenly Father trusts you to make whichever choice you end up making. And that's what I mean by bi-directional alignment. If your alignment, meaning like if your decision is good and it's like keeping you on track to who you're wanting to be, 
and you kind of have like these two choices that are good either way, whenever the decision is a good one, no matter what you choose, his will is going to be aligned with yours because all goodness comes from God. And he will warn you like the way that he did with Joseph and Martin, where, where it's like, he will tell you no, if like, it feels good to you and like, he needs to give you some direction, he will tell you no, like in some way or another, you'll get a sign or something. But if it's kind of like the dis, like if, but if you were kind of like having some dissonance about like, Hey, which one do I choose? He's allowing for you to do that. And his will is going to be aligned with whatever choice you choose. And that's because we're not going to be commanded in all things. We've been taught that if we expect to be commanded in all things, you know, (laughs) it's not the nicest thing. It's not my favorite thing, but like we would be considered, you know, slothful and unwise servants. And so when we're so worried and anxious about making the right choice versus the wrong one, we get ourselves stuck in decision in indecision and overwhelm over over making this choice. And so we're trying to assign our agency to Heavenly Father as if that's supposed to help us. But because he is wise and loving, our Heavenly Father knows that it's in our best interest and to let us use our agency and that it will that we will create opportunities for growth and refinement no matter which choice that we make. And so he allows us to exercise our agency for that purpose. So if you're seeking inspiration and personal revelation about what you should do and what the Lord's will is, and he isn't giving you a definite answer, it's probably because there's no wrong decision here. The decision you're going to make is going to be the one you're supposed to make, the right one, the good one, no matter what. Which, that can be kind of confusing if the outcomes are really not something that you would have chosen for yourself. Sometimes, like, if you, like, like you make a choice and on the other side of it, you know, something kind of, like, unfavorable happens. You're like, oh, no, I made a huge mistake. I should have never made that choice. Um, it's really tempted. It's really tempting to think that you made the wrong choice, but it's never the wrong choice. I promise you that. The choice that you made was the right one because it's the one that you were supposed to make because you made it. Like, you don't get to go back and judge whatever choice you made because it was exactly the choice you were supposed to make. And it's the choice that's going to give you the most growth and refinement, even if the, even if the outcomes weren't exactly what you loved. And so what I want to teach you here is that life is always going to be, um, this is a coaching concept, but, uh, but, um, that it's one of those ones where it's like, it's a coaching concept, but it's also, um, kind of based on, um, a faith-based principle where it's like life is always going to be 50% positive and 50% negative. And that's kind of based on the idea that there's always going to be opposition in all things. You know, you're always going to have a life where there's going to be, you know, 50% goodness and positivity and like great things happen. And then on the other side of it, you're always going to have like for every person, like no person has like more goodness and less badness than the other. Like every person is always going to experience some sort of level of like 50% positive and 50% negative because there's opposition in all things. That's just the way that the universe works. And so when you make a decision and something negative happens, it doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. If you had made the other choice, your life still would have been the same amount of positive and negative, no matter what. And so when Heavenly Father trusts us with a choice, he's already aware of the outcomes He knows that whatever is on the other side of your choice is going to be for your profit and learning, no matter what. And he's giving you the opportunity to choose. He's showing you that he trusts you to move forward, whatever decision you make, and he will have your back when these decisions are good. When it's, when his, when your will is a good one, 
and he doesn't have any obvious reasons to tell you no. There's no reason for his will to not be aligned with yours too. And so as long as your, your choice, or so long as it's a righteous, good choice, he will always have your back. And so all of us have work to do when it comes to aligning our will with God's. And we know that it can require sacrificing our own wants for what we believe is greater. And we know that we have to do some internal work to identify where we are having a hard time to letting go, letting go of our will and identify where we have seen the evidence of blessings and transformation by aligning our will with his. But what can we put into practice now that helps us get on track? Um, and I love this way of praying developed by um, a blogger. Her name's um, Celeste Davis. And she calls it um, how to pray in a way that God can answer, which is, I love this. So she suggests that you create a Venn diagram. And I don't know if you, if you don't know what a Venn diagram is, it's basically like two circles or two or more circles. You can kind of overlap them a little bit. And so you have one circle that you label. Um, In this case, you're going to label one circle as like, this is what you want. And then the other circle is what God wants. And then you have a little bit of overlap in the middle where the circles kind of intersect each other. And the middle is where the desire for both um, are the same. And it's really, I love that this is like a way to pray because instead of using prayer in the, in the kind of like the traditional way where, you know, you're kneeling and you're just kind of talking out loud or in your head, you know, and you're just kind of like saying like a list of like I want and, you know, you're kind of telling Heavenly Father about like your worries and this and that. And then finishing off with an amen, it really challenges you to kind of take a more introspective approach um, that asks you to not just like in this case, you're acknowledging what you want. And then you're also because you're journaling in a way, you're writing it down, you open yourself to the spirit and listening to what Heavenly Father's answer would be about his will concerning whatever it is that um, that you're praying about. And I particularly like that it's not spoken. I love I love that it's written because um, one of my one of my favorite apostles of all time is Richard G. Scott, and he taught that um, I don't have the exact quote here, so sorry about that. But he taught you know that there's so much power that when we have you know if like there's so much power in the written word, and essentially that if we open ourselves, if we basically have pen and paper, we're gonna open ourselves up to the Spirit so much better because we are ready to learn and we're ready to write. And so, um, and we're ready to write down what we are listening for. And so, um, I just love that. That's a really great approach there. So, um, so yeah, so try the Venn diagram and approach to, um, to praying. I think it's just beautiful, um, a beautiful way to do that. Um, and so you may find as you're doing this, this exercise that you may already be more aligned than you thought you were. You will see in a very clear way that you may need some work (laughs) on your desires and willingness to sacrifice, you know, that kind of inner Laman and Lemuel kind of voice and stuff. You'll kind of see that like on the, this is my will and the circle. And then, (laughs) and then you'll kind of see like the, the go and do sort of answers in kind of like the little middle part where heavenly father and you overlap. And then you'll see the sun, the will of the father and kind of the other side that you're not necessarily aligned with yet where you can kind of strive towards aligning your will with in that regard um and so as you do this you're going to just open yourself up to what heavenly father knows you're capable of becoming and um so that is all i have for you today i hope that you were able to learn more about aligning your will with heavenly father and uh get some more clarity on that topic today this is one of those episodes that was a listener suggested topic. So if you have something that is on your mind that you would love for me to cover on the podcast, please let me know by emailing me at page at pagesmithcoaching.com. 
or by sending me a, a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, my at handle is Paige Smith. It's, it's just, you know, just Paige Smith coaching. <laughs> Pretty basic. Also, um, I would love it if you would share this podcast with your friends or leave a review on your podcast platform of, co- of choice so that um, more people can, like you can have a listen. And um, I am just so thankful that I get to do this and I will see you all here next week. Bye-bye. If you would like to take the principles I'm teaching here on the Podcast Deeper, I'd love to be your coach. I have a coaching program called the Divine Nature Project, where I take all the concepts I teach here on the podcast and help my clients develop the skills for mind management that will help them get to charity for themselves and from a place of self-love, deepen their conversion and create a vibrant, fulfilled life that they love too. Are you ready? Visit www.pagesmithcoaching.com and schedule a consult. I'd love to see you there.